Matt Unreal. I'm Arthur. Isaac. Isaac. What's up? What's up? We made it. Made it. We got through it. Done. 42 years, nine <laughs> movies. Nine movies, a whole lot of legends. It's no longer canon, like too much legends to even count. Then um, a bunch of canon comics. Uh, Two very good cartoon series. It's a lot, you know, television animated series. Um, first live action series. Um, yeah. One very terrible Christmas episode. <laughs> you know, I've never seen it. I've never seen that. Yeah, I, I saw it when I was YouTube. little. I don't remember. I, I remember enough to know that I saw it and didn't like it. Mm, yeah, I know it's on YouTube, but I never saw it. To my knowledge, I never saw it. Maybe I saw it when I was little. I just forgot all about it. Um, but yeah, I'm in the end of the Skywalker saga, or saga, as George Lucas says. Um, <laughs> so that's what we're here to get into. Um, special Star Wars episode. It is New Year's Day as you're listening to this. Happy 2020 to everyone. Um, glad that you chose to start 2020 off with us, um, breaking down everything about the rise of Skywalker and season one of the Mandalorian. Um, before we get into that really quickly, um, this is going to be, let me see, it's January 1st. So we're going to take a short break after this episode and we will be back in early February. Um, and I think when we come back, we have some very special James Bond content coming. I mean, I think I teased that last episode. Uh, so look for more announcements about that. We're going to do a countdown, you know, something special going up into um, No Time to Die. So look out for that. And then we have some other things coming that are going to be really cool, I think, in the new year, right after this short break. Um, but again, thank you guys for, for sticking with this for the first nine episodes of this show. And uh, thank you again for starting your new year off with us. All right. Well, we got a lot to get into. So a lot. This is Mad Unreal <laughs> Episode 9. Let's go. Mad Unreal Episode 9. Star Wars Episode 9. The Rise of Skywalker. Um. Yeah. <laughs> is that your one word review <laughs> yeah that was my overall thought mm. that was my overall thought i meant to check the uh the box office before we started um because i know the last time i know the opening weekend the pool was about 175 mil mm -hmm. the expectation i think was about 200 plus not necessarily from disney but you know conservative expect uh conservative predictions or um, liberal predictions, however you want to look at it, from critics and you know people who predict box scores, um, box office re uh, reports, they were looking at 200 plus, maybe a little under 200. Uh, each movie has kind of grossed a little less. I think uh, the Force Awakens was like around 245 opening weekend. I think uh, Last Jedi was like 219, uh, closer to 200. So you're looking at 175. That's a significant drop. Know, from these first two films yeah, but anyway I yeah so we're not here to to talk about the the money although i think that is something that we may want to dip into a little bit later as we talk about the future of this franchise but yeah i think it's telling given the given the anticipation for this movie how it's how it's um how it's being uh accepted and people going to the theaters to see it um there's been a lot of um 
spoil. I mean, it, it shouldn't be, particularly by the sound of my voice, it shouldn't be a surprise that there are many, many Star Wars fans that um, that don't like this movie. Mm-hmm. And from what I've seen, it's it's consistent with kind of what your feeling was, where it's the problem is that there's there's very little reconciling the stories. There's still questions that are left unanswered. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's, I think um, that's, let's talk about that first as far as what we, how we felt before we saw this film. I know last episode, I think we even touched on what we expect. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll just start off for myself. I did, I think last episode, I did talk about how I expected this film visually to be stunning. Um, I expected to receive a lot of information to try to tie up not only this sequels trilogy, but also to tie up, um, like you said, in the cold opening, the last, you know, 40 something years of uh, storytelling about the Skywalker saga. So and then, I, you know, I expected to kind of feel the way I felt with The Force Awakens as far as, OK, that was that was cool. You know, it wasn't it didn't knock me off my feet. It wasn't something that it's not going in my top five Star Wars films or anything like that, but it was adequate. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I expected. What did you expect walking in into the theater? I expected to be entertained. Mm-hmm. I expected to get more backstory about Finn mm-hmm. than what was. Well, we didn't get any real backstory about Finn. Right. I think that. Um, well, first, I mean, let me say this: the the opening crawl where um, I believe the first line talked about there's this mysterious message. You know that that was broadcast in the gal that was broadcast and heard throughout the galaxy mm-hmm. in the voice of 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 Emperor Palpatine. Right, the dead and speak. The galaxy has heard a mysterious broadcast. Though that was the word used was a broadcast. Bro- mm-hmm. yeah. And the broadcast is what was the jump off point for for Kylo Ren to in the opening scene for Kylo Ren to go to this unknown world and he's slashing people up to find this what's referred to as a wayfinder when mm-hmm. um and that's fine if it's a wayfinder but really it's a holocron mm-hmm. Absolutely. which it, and um i found it odd that no one in the film referred to it as a holocron a, hol- a holocron and especially kylo who seemed to um um be interested in Sith artifacts. So let, let me stop you there because I think that's going to actually tie in as something I want to say. But before we get it, because I think the crawl is important. Yeah. But before we get there, let me just get your your overall kind of like your broad thoughts of the film itself. You know, because well, I, that's okay. So I'll do that. <laughs> Y'all can't you see just, Arthur. He just, just like put me. his hands. He put his hands <laughs> on his head and kind of bowed his head to kind of get himself together. <laughs> <laughs> Which is, I think, telltale of what he's about to say. But what do you? I, I can go if you if you want to collect. No, no, yourself. no. <laughs> let me let me let me just say this because this is what I I did not expect. Okay. This is an overarching thing that I did not expect, which which is I think somewhat of a of a masterstroke mm-hmm. um, by J.J. Abrams to figure out how can I tie off how can I tie off these films and connect them. Mm-hmm. But how can I answer huge two huge questions that have been that were that were started with Force Awakens. Number 1 was who is Rey? Mm-hmm. Why why does she have such strong force abilities? 
And second is who was Snoke? Right. Where did he come from? What's his tie in all of this? Why is he so powerful? And the way that he was able to do it in, I don't know, man, within maybe the first 15, 20 minutes of the film Mm -hmm. through almost Mission Impossible-like pacing. Right. It was very quick. Yeah, very fast storytelling. Is that is that uh, the entire nine film epic was is really about Palpatine having a plan B <laughs> mm-hmm. just in case something went sideways with his plan A. Okay. Which was finding an apprentice and orchestrating in the shadows the reorganization of the Republic into the Empire. Right, what we saw in the prequels. He completely ignored Lucas's vision of this story being the story of Anakin Skywalker Mm -hmm. and his offspring Mm -hmm. and turned Anakin Skywalker into a, uh, um, you know, the B character. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's really about Palpatine. You're saying the rise of Skywalker is really about Palpatine, not necessarily the so more so the rise of Palpatine. Yes, mm-hmm. yes, I do believe that that was the most expedient way to do it. So I, I don't think that this was. Let me be clear. I do not think that this was planned at the beginning of 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 the Force Awakens. You know, planning out three films. Right. That, hey, we're going to do another trilogy, and this is what it's going to be about. I think this was an audible mm-hmm. that Abrams called, either Abrams himself or in discussions that were that was called mm-hmm. before the filming of the Rise of Skywalker, mm-hmm. because it's 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 act that that premise is inconsistent in throughout throughout the other uh, you know th- the among the other films. two films. So how did you feel? So knowing that that like you just what you just summed up is what you feel was the what J.J. Abrams attempted. So walking out of the rise of Skywalker, do you think that he succeeded in that? And how did you feel either way? Um, you know, we got a whole ton of action and we were able to exploit this yin yang uh, connection between um, Ben Solo, otherwise known as Kylo Ren and ray palpatine now known as ray skywalker you know Mm -hmm. but he did it at the expense of storytelling he did it at the expense of of continuing a a nine or an eight episode story arc Mm -hmm. Uh, there's just there's just a it's oh god there's so much there's so much yeah so and let me and let me say you know before I dive in, before I just, you know, really quickly get my, my overall thoughts and then we'll, we'll really dive in deep onto this. Um, obviously, you guys, this is a spoiler heavy episode. If you haven't figured that out by this point, if you have not for some reason seen The Rise of Skywalker and you don't want to be spoiled, um, please skip ahead to the Mandalorian section of this episode. And if you haven't seen The Mandalorian and don't want to be spoiled, then go back and one, listen to one of our past episodes about something completely different and come back to this after you checked out the movie and season one of Mandalorian. But overall, I think one one thing we have to say at the outset of this is because we can't ignore the fact that, and I don't think we've talked about it. We've talked about it a lot on this show because it's just something I think you and I both are not 
very interested in, um, so to speak. But we can't ignore the fact that over the last, um, you know, uh, since uh, Force Awakens came out in 2015, excuse me, there's been a lot of uh, dissent, you know, within the the fan base, you know, the the real everything from the semi hardcore Star Wars fans to the hard, hardcore Star Wars fans. Um, We can't ignore that. And I think that for me, just at the outset of this, I want to say, listen, everything Arthur and I are going to say here today um, reflects our opinions, um, obviously. If you feel differently, please hit us up in the comments, you know, let us know what you think so we can, you know, continue this conversation, you know, on Twitter or on another show, whatever. It's all interesting to me to hear different points of view, um, as long as we all keep it respectful. But I would also like to say, I think that for that split that I've seen in the fan base, to me, it kind of goes both ways, man, because, and I don't know how you feel about this, but the annoying part to me is that people who love The Last Jedi and people mm-hmm. who love um, uh, Rise of Skywalker are sometimes equally as um, the vitriol from them is equally as spiteful and just, you know, unproductive and just ugly as it is from the people who despise those films going after the people who love them, you know? So it, it kind of cuts both ways. It's like I've seen people who really just cannot stand The Last Jedi just attack people online for liking The Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I've seen it back in, in the last week. I've seen people who really like, you know, the rise of Skywalker telling people who don't like it that, well, the reason you don't like it is because you're not a real Star Wars fan or you don't understand Star You know, and it's just like, yeah, that type of stuff. I think, again, I think you and I have really not touched on it because it's just not our thing. But at the same point, I think that we're going to do this. That's just something we have to acknowledge. Um, so, but really quickly, my overall thoughts, even though I went into this movie, like I said, last episode, I kind of guessed what I was going to see. I'm pretty good at when I go into a movie of kind of like emptying my mind and letting go of any expectations. Um, I'm pretty good at going in like with a blank slate. So when I went into this movie, I was like you. I just wanted to be entertained. Mm-hmm. Um, I knew we all knew Palpatine was coming back. So, again, that was kind of not necessarily an expectation from plot point of view, but I did have an expectation, I'll admit, of you got to make that work. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That just entertain me. Like you said, entertain me. Give me a story that makes me go, okay, he's back. Cool. Yeah. Even I, didn't, though, I did not expect him to be physically present. Yeah, I remember you said that. Yeah, you said I that. I expected yeah. him to be a force ghost. Force ghost, still. right. Um, and I think a lot of people expected that. Mm-hmm. But for me, a year ago or so, when we found out he was coming back, I was like, no. You know, I was very much against it. Um, I just wasn't feeling it. So going into this film, I had to let go of that because I said, if I hold on to that, you know, I'm really not going to have a good time. It's like no matter what happens, I'm be mad that Palpatine is back, even Mm -hmm. though I feel justified because I feel like he shouldn't come back. You know, that was the point of those the the original trilogy Um, and Anakin, you know, Vader becoming Anakin again for the last, you know, what, 10 minutes of his life or whatever. And, right. you know, saving Luke's life and, you know, killing the uh, the emperor. There's some emotional weight to that and some type of, you know, narrative like satisfaction from if you're a Star Wars fan and knowing that that chapter had ended. But then there's also the practical side of it that dude got thrown down a shaft, 
the Death Star blew up. You know what I'm saying? So how, yeah. when you say he's back. Not just the shaft, it was like a reactor. It a was reactor, like right, exactly. What like powered a, the, the, the rest of the Death Star. Right, so it's presumably you go down that shaft, your body is just going to disintegrate. You know, it's like you're done. Like there's mm-hmm. no way for anybody to put you back together because there's nothing to put back together. Um, so again, if you're going to have him come back, my, my feeling was that I didn't have any expectation on how they were going to explain that. Mm-hmm. But I felt like, okay, you have to do something to at least, you know, make me believe that even if I'm suspending my disbelief, even right. in, in even in the realm of suspension of disbelief, there are some quote unquote rules. You know, I don't care whether you're talking about Star Wars, Marvel movies, you know, mm-hmm. Bond, Mission Impossible, whatever you're talking about. You know, James Bond can't fall out of a plane without a parachute and land and he's OK. You know what I'm saying? It's like there's just yeah. there are some rules, even though we're watching something that's unreal. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, my my overall thoughts, I had emptied my mind and going into the theater and, you know, seeing it. I gotta be honest, man, my I was you know, I, I was very dissatisfied with this movie. Um mm-hmm. I didn't like this film. Mm-hmm. But this film did something for me that I didn't expect. And I guess we'll, you know, as we get deeper into it, it'll become more relevant, um, or more apparent why it did this for me, but this film did, and I, I, this is going to sound like a backhanded compliment, but really, I guess it is kind of, but really I don't mean anything insincere by it, but this film helped me let go in the sense that I was among those fans that when I saw Last Jedi, you know, I was like, what the fuck, you know, I was like, what are they doing? It was like, they was mm-hmm. just taking everything that we had seen in the original trilogy and in the prequels and kind of like, and even in the Clone Wars and kind of being like poo-pooing all over it. You know, it was like, just, it was, you know, the, that term subvert your expectations was very heavy at that time. And it was like, I just felt like it was bad storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was kind of disillusioned with what was going on, like a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, but what this film did for me, it made me feel like, okay, for one, I don't want to use that phrase. There's a phrase that's been going on. I'm not going to use, but for me, it made me feel like it's okay for me not to like this. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's okay for me not to be into this new trilogy. Right. For me, the Skywalker saga ended when Luke um, set Vader's, you know, corpse on fire on Endor and him and Leia, you know, they had the party and everything from a live action film standpoint, not talking mm-hmm. about the books, not talking about anything canon that followed after that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, but from a live action film standpoint, that's when the Skywalker saga ended for me. And that's fine. Um, this new trilogy, this sequel trilogy, now that I've seen all three films, it feels like, in, it, to, in my opinion, and I'm not going to keep saying my, in my opinion throughout this whole thing, just assume that for everybody listening, like I said, these are all our opinions. Um, everything we're saying is our opinions. But this sequel trilogy has nothing to do with, you know, the original trilogy or the prequels. There's no connection there in my mind. Right. We're told there's a connection. Um, but there's no real connection there at all. And so for me, walking out of this this movie, I wasn't angry. I wasn't like, you know, sad or upset or anything. I was just like, I didn't like it. And I let it go. And mm-hmm. I, that was it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, as a storytelling thing, I feel like there's and I'll say this and then we can I'll shut up and we can get into the to the real breakdown. But overall, I think one of the problems that has not only plagued that not, that not only plagued the rise of Skywalker, but I feel like it plagued all these these last two movies, these last three films, is that the filmmakers, for one, there was that lack of a vision, like you said, 
You know, this was not, I don't care. I, don't, I really don't care how much you love the rise of Skywalker. You're never going to convince me that Palpatine was like, they thought, you know, back in 2015, we're going to wrap this up by bringing the emperor back. Nah. Makes, there's no, yeah. <laughs> you, the I mean, the films you, themselves betrayed that. Right. If you can convince me anybody of that, then you are, you are highly skilled as a, as a, um, as a debater. But the lack of vision, I think, really doomed these three films, the lack of vision. Um, and not to say that if you have a vision that it's going to work out perfectly, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. starting without one in something like Star Wars is just, I think you're dooming it. Um, especially now that you have an audience who just got done witnessing back in the spring, early summer, got done witnessing the wrap up of a 10 year, you know, Marvel, um, 25, mm. something, 20 plus something films. Mm -hmm. You saw Endgame and you saw that, you know, that thing wrapped up so nicely. And now I think the expectations of fans is different than it was, you know, say in 19, you know, 80 or 1990. Um, so not having that vision, I think was just it was it started this whole thing off in a bad place. Um, and then as you as we know now, you know, uh, what's his name? The uh, Disney CEO, uh, Iger, has said, you know, and has, has um, in, in his memoirs has talked about how, you know, The Force Awakens was meant to basically placate fans. Mm -hmm. um, they didn't want a repeat of what had happened with the prequels. So they were they actively they decided not to use George Lucas's script that he had written Mm -hmm. for these you know the vision that he had laid out for these sequel trilogy and again not saying that his vision would have been perfect but right. they decided not to go that route they wanted some they wanted a film that was going to placate fans and just be mm -hmm. like okay mm -hmm. a reboot essentially mm -hmm. um and not push the envelope so that was that's that was a bad start but then the filmmakers themselves jj abrams and ryan johnson jj abrams starting with him is a he's a mystery box writer you know, in a mystery box filmmaker, he throws a lot of questions at you. Um, this is his, his, uh, MO. He throws a lot of questions at you and then, you know, gradually he starts to answer them. And some of them he never answers. Damon Lindelof is the same, has the same style. They come from that same school of, you know, of storytelling, not my favorite style of storytelling, but I, you know, I, I admit that there are times when it can be intriguing. Then you have Ryan Johnson, who is a, a mystery, you know, a mystery writer, essentially. I've never mm -hmm. seen, he has a movie called Brick, which I haven't seen. Um, it's on my list. I've heard, I mean, I've never heard anybody say anything bad about this film. In fact, everybody says it's, it's you know, it's, it's a brilliant movie. So it's on my list. I did see Knives Out the other day, um, which is a mm -hmm. straight mystery, um, which was good. It wasn't great to me, but it was, it was good. It's something I actually, I want to see it again. Um, so... To me, there's a difference, though, in the mystery box type writing and the what happens next. Okay. Let me ask, for instance, I ask you this question. Going from, if you can remember, leaving the time between um, Empire Strikes Back and Return mm -hmm. of the Jedi, mm -hmm. as you were going into Return of the Jedi, what's the one question that you wanted answered? If in Empire we had Vader saying what to Luke? I am your father. Right. So we go into Jedi and we're like, we have to know because during those two or three years, is he lying? Is he telling the truth? You know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. That was the playground argument. So going into Jedi, that was the one question we had to have an answer to. Right. Everything else was built around kind of what happens next. You know, it's like, yeah, you're interested in knowing what is that's that storytelling one on one, making the audience want to know what is going to happen next. Right. J.J. Abrams is pretty much a mystery box like everything is like question 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 
So going into the rise of Skywalker, it wasn't so much of wanting to know what happens next. It's I want to get all these questions answered. Correct. Correct. But honestly, when I saw him going into Return of the Jedi, Mm -hmm. whereby I was like 12 years old, all I really want to know is where is Boba Fett and what is he doing? (laughs) Right. Okay. We're going to get to Boba Fett. But I'm with you, though. We're going to get to Boba Fett and and Mandalorian (laughs) stuff because I got some things to say about Boba Fett, too. Um, But yeah, so what happens next? You know, what happens next with this adventure, with Boba Fett, whatever? But there's really only one those that was like a huge category. Then there's that one thing in the question box, which is, you know, is was Vader lying or is he telling the truth? But J.J. Abrams is about questions. So when you step into a movie and all you're expecting is answers to questions mm-hmm. and you only got two and a half hours to answer like a gazillion questions, some of which were contradicted in the last film, which you didn't, you know, Abrams didn't make. Yeah it's kind of setting you up for failure in my opinion now ryan johnson his style well, of story, his style of tor- storytelling like i said is based around mystery so what happens in most mysteries at some point the detective the lead detective is going he or she is going to lay out the crime for you this mm-hmm. is what happened this is how it happened this is who did it right like you know mm-hmm. go into some type of speech and like you know blah 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 and as th- this detective is telling you that you get all you kind of flash back to those moments that you've seen throughout the film and you're like, oh, and you shit. start tying right. that off. Right. Yeah. You start mm-hmm. tying you draw, all these things together, connecting those dots. That's what type of writer Ryan Johnson is. The problem is that in The Last Jedi and J.J. Abrams took a little bit of his technique and did it in uh, The Rise of Skywalker. Mm-hmm. We get Kylo Ren basically pe- playing the part of detective and explaining to us in The Last Jedi that Ray, your 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 parents are nobodies. Then mm-hmm. turning around and Rise of Skywalker and saying, Ray, you're a Palpatine. So he's talking, talking, right. talking, talking, talking. Right. And it's like, how he know all this? You know what I'm saying? It's like, <laughs> we got. <laughs> how does he know all this? It's like, he's the detective explaining things that we have never seen. You see what I'm saying? So it's like, you skipped the whole part where we get to tie all these things together. All it is is talking. There's old adage of storytelling that says, show me, don't tell me. And I feel like one of the biggest problems with these three films is that they did a lot of telling instead of showing. So we got told a lot of things. It was felt like exposition after exposition after exposition being told to us. And for me, that part of that is the combination of these two filmmakers, the mystery box and the detective writer creating a, a trilogy that really didn't create anything compelling. All it did was just throw questions at us mm-hmm. that now in this third film, to your point, you got two and a half hours where you have to explain all of this stuff. And that's what I felt happened in the rise of Skywalker from the moment of the opening crawl, which we're about to get into mm-hmm. all the way to the end. It was just like, here's the answer to that question. Here's the answer to that question. Here's 10 more questions and here's nine answers, you know, and yeah. we're going to not answer that question. What was Finn going to tell Ray? Don't worry about it. We won't answer that. Uh, mm-hmm. John Boyega will talk about it on Twitter, you know? Mm-hmm. So, Overall, those those are my thoughts. But let's 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 uh, get into the opening crawl. Um, actually, you know what? How about I read the opening crawl real quick? Um, as you started to talk about it, okay. So the first line we see is the dead speak. The galaxy has heard a mysterious broadcast, a threat of revenge in the sinister voice of the late Emperor Palpatine. General Leia Organa dispatches secret agents to gather intelligence, while Rey, the last hope of the Jedi, trains for battle against the diabolical First Order. Meanwhile, Supreme Leader Kylo Ren rages in search of the Phantom Emperor, determined to destroy any threat to his power. 
So right there, what did you? Okay, so you you were talking about early on interrupted you. How I mean that that opening crawl for you. I mean, how did you feel when you you know coming into that to that theater with your expectations of being entertained? How did that that opening crawl hit you? Um, let me just just give me a second. <laughs> so I mean, for me, uh, I'll just while while you gathering your thoughts, <laughs> let me say for me. Going into that theater again with my my expectations, kind of kind of, you know, a blank slate and kind of going in and saying, okay, the only thing I really want is to be entertained and for you to make me believe what you're telling me. So for the first thing I see to be that Palpatine is back, essentially, he's broadcast across the, the, the galaxy that he's back and there's no real explanation how he came back my I felt something sink inside of me because I'm like oh shit they did the one thing that I really really did not want them to do and that is just may ask me to make an an enormous leap of faith um without any storytelling underneath it and I think the phrase that you used earlier when you said what what they were doing at the expense of storytelling that's how I felt it's like advancing the story at the expense of actual storytelling so it's again it's that telling without showing me thing so right then I'm sitting down I'm into this movie for the first you know 10 seconds and you're already asking me to kind of turn off a part of my brain thank you thank you thank you thank you and for me you have to just accept accept it yeah flat out accept at least 70% of this film. Right. Right. And for me, what it happened was what happened for me, Arthur, is that I had a conversation, a quick conversation with myself after I read that opening crawl, after it was, after it was, you know, came across the screen, I said, all right, if you trip out on that, if you don't accept it, you're not going to enjoy anything that that happens over the next two and a half hours. Right. So for any chance of enjoying it, you have to accept it. So I accepted it. And then we got that. We got kind of a cool scene right after that, which was Kylo, you know, going after yeah. the, uh, you know, confronting the emperor. But dude, by the time again, they'd asked me to shut off my brain essentially. And by the time I, I'd done that, but by the time we get to the point near the end of the film where it's announced that every star destroyer is now essentially a death, uh, a death star. Yeah, yeah. That was when I was like. I can't, I can't, you know, I can't turn off my brain that much. I can't, I feel like at this point you're assaulting my intelligence. You know what I'm saying? You're asking me, not only are you asking me to take a leap, you're basically asking me to fly. You know, you're asking me to fly and to accept whatever you're going to tell me, whatever you're going to tell me as if there's no responsibility upon you as the Mm -hmm. storyteller to make some sort of sense. Um, And that was something I couldn't do. No, I mean, it's, I don't think that, you know, I don't think that you have to, even if you introduce questions, if questions are introduced, I don't believe that every one of those questions has to have an answer to them. So you asked me earlier about going from Empire, you know, to Jedi. Um, Sure. Of course, I wondered, you know, what, how Luke was handling this knowledge that his, and I, you know, I'm, I'm kind of abstracting because again, I was, I was young, but I've seen the films, you know years after that too right but you know it's like okay it did strike me because i did watch i watched return of the jedi recently and i'm gonna get to the crawl in just a second okay but i it it did strike me that you know all things considered luke seems to be handling this information pretty well Mm -hmm. you know Um, the vader's his father it's like it's like whatever he's done he's had time to meditate on it process it and 
and now decides to act on it because at some point he decides that there is still good in his father because his father didn't kill him and he believes that he can turn him back all right mm-hmm. and that's that's what kind of takes luke through this journey into um um return of the jedi where he where he basically uh turns himself in mm-hmm. to vader okay the problem with Palpatine, before you get into the fact that we haven't seen this dude for, what, 40 years? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You have tools, you have this entire arsenal of cannon to be able to use things and pull things into your story to be able to address what it is that you're about to set up. Cannon and so, legends, yeah. You can pull in some and legend legends. stuff, too. You can pull in some legend stuff, canon. too. Yeah. yeah. And, and... You know, I am going to lay the weight on this holocron pretty heavily because <laughs> I can see that holocron is bothering you. <laughs> you it's bothering me the because, because, <laughs> because see, here's the thing. Here's the thing. The reason that Kylo knew to find the holocron was because it knew that it would lead him to Palpatine or it would it would it would lead him to the place where Palpatine was, mm-hmm. which effectively is the place where the signal came from the the origin of where the signal is mm-hmm. right and remember nobody else could find this place because you needed a holocron to even get there right right luke, luke had been looking for it right luke had been looking for it mm-hmm. the holocron because it stores information it stores you know it's it's like a record book of all things force related event wise right it's got sith history in there it's got jedi history in there presumably it could let you know that palpatine is still a lot sidious darth sidious mm. is still alive this is how he was able to maintain life you see mm. what i'm saying it's like and and kylo could still basically kind of like give this information to ray mm. but it would be done in a way where it's part showing you in part, Kylo, you know, revealing the information. Right. Now, instead we get the crawl. Instead we get the crawl. Mm-hmm. But but and and stop me if I'm if I'm jumping too far out of order because I'm starting to. You see, I'm I'm warmed up now. <laughs> right. So, <clears throat> first of all, the single most thing that I liked about this film. Is the single most ironic thing that I like about this film, which is that I actually like Kylo Ren in this movie. Mm, okay. This is the the reason the reason why is because this is the Kylo that we were introduced to in the first in the film. Force Awakens when the guy steps out of the shuttle, puts his hand up, and stops Poe's blaster, right? Blaster, and then pushes around, it yeah. back. His blaster round. No, right. I'm sorry, yeah, his blaster round, and pushes it right back. At Poe, mm-hmm. this is the this is that dude, mm-hmm. which was evolved, which kind of feeds into the idea that this was more so a sequel to The Force Awakens than right. a continuation of The Last Jedi. Right, because right. in The Last Jedi, when Snoke is destroyed, my immediate thought was like, okay, well, the first order is done because this guy can't run it because mm-hmm. he's not this Kylo Ren. <laughs> yeah, he's a chump. He's a he's, he's, he's a, a he's a child. Yeah, you know. But here, Ren is in, is is much more in control of himself. Mm-hmm. Um, he's still functioning off of emotion, which is in, is which is indicative of his character. Because see, Luke 
did a lot of functioning off of emotion. Anakin did a lot of functioning off of emotion. Thank you. Thank Mm -hmm. you. So there's some consistency there, you know? Um, And it's just, it's, yeah, yeah, yeah. But basically, 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 opening crawl. It's like, okay, you've got this holocron. It's it's like, that would have been a better setup in the crawl that instead of, instead of Ben, Kylo, instead of Kylo wanting to, you know, find, find Palpatine and destroy him because he's a threat to his power, which kind of sort of didn't make sense. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you why in just a second. Mm-hmm. It would have been better if in the crawl, it's telling you that he's looking for this holocron to lead him to the origin of the secret message. So then we, it would have been a better know. setup he, for me. He doesn't know that Palpatine is back and we don't know that Palpatine is back. Essentially he finds the, the, the crawl announces the search for the, the holocron or the, the finding of the holocron. And then we see what happens after that. Right, because see, we can presume that he heard the message, mm-hmm. and, and that's and, the other thing. Why, why would Palpatine broadcast the fact that he's back? Why tell everyone I'm back? Who the fuck? Why? <laughs> but the thing is, the message, and the you know, the message was actually revealed in the game Fortnite, like mm-hmm. a week prior to the release of the film. So there was like an Easter egg put in that game. Okay, you can presume that Kylo's heard this message, just like whomever else in the galaxy that cares. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and. You know, the last line of it, talking about what? I copied the whole damn thing down. Yeah, here we go. Here we go. I found it. The the, the last lines of mm-hmm. the message that Palpatine broadcast that kicks off. Oh, the actual message. Nine, okay. The actual the... message okay. says at the end of it, the day of victory is at hand, a, the day of revenge, the day of the Sith. Mm-hmm. You would think that Kylo would be interested in getting to know this person who broadcast this message, not right. kill him, right? because it could give him better insight or a source of better power or someone to align with mm-hmm. because they're Sith, because he still has grandfather issues. Right, because the first two movies, well, essentially, especially Force Awakens, he spent a lot of time obsessing over his grandfather. So his grandfather right. is a Sith. Um, right not and it wasn't really it's it's never i don't think it was ever made clear whether or not kylo is aware of the fact that his grandfather redeemed himself at the end of his life and basically yeah it's not right right and you know you have to take some liberties to know how much leia told him how much information you would think that that's that's something that she told him you know when he was young and like you know made sure he understood that and you know your grandfather was this great man who did this um, after right. he killed billions of people, he, you know, ended the Sith. Right. So to your point, though, if Kylo is obsessed with the Sith um, as, a, as an adult, he's obsessed with the Sith. If he finds out this or if he has a hint that this great Sith leader, Darth Sidious, you know, is alive, you would think that he would want to instead of killing him. This is the dude. This was his grandfather's master. You know, this is the one who taught now his grandfather. You're getting it. Right. Who taught his grandfather the dark side of the force. So right. if you're if you're all in the in for the dark side of the force, it seems like you would want to go to the fountainhead and, and kind of, you know, let me learn right. what my grandfather learned. You know, right. do, teach me what you taught my grandfather. Right. And this fundamentally changes your movie, but this doesn't change your movie that much. Right. You still have your opening scenes. Right. You still have the Palpatine reveal, which was weird, but I was fine with it. You know mm-hmm. what I wasn't fine with Snoke being. Palpatine's droid, Palpatine's 
That was one of that was absolutely thing. one of the weirdest scenes, shots in the film when they roll past the camera roll past those. I don't know what the hell that was. Um, yeah, they were like heads. They were like snow heads. Snow heads. Like, okay, did he put this dude? He had like Snoke A, Snoke B, Snoke. He just put them together and just again. That's that's that's. It happened early in the film, and it was another leap. You know, here, just accept this, and okay, I've accepted the opening crawl. Now I'm accepting this, and then for the next, you know, two hours, I'm just accepting, 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 and it's like you can't. At some point, it gets to be too much acceptance. But you know what? Let's let's actually take let's actually take a break and from that part of the conversation. You mentioned there was <laughs> you mentioned there was some yeah. things you like. So let's let's actually talk about before we dive back into um, some deeper thoughts about some of the uh, the plot the plot uh, machinations. Let's actually talk about some of the things we did like about the film because I, I do have some things I liked about it. So let me All right. let me I'll I'll say this one of the probably almost it was kind of unexpected but one of the high points and they did a little bit of this in the force awakens as well i thought i didn't think the jokes landed very well at all in the last Jedi. Mm-hmm. i didn't laugh mm-hmm. that much in the last Jedi, even though i was supposed to um but i found a lot of the comedy in the rise of skywalker actually worked especially between um the three mains you know uh finn ray poe and c3po um there's mm-hmm. one scene in particular where they all turn to look at C-3PO because um, they want him to do something. And then he turns, he's like, why are these motherfuckers looking at me? And then he turns around and look, maybe there's somebody standing behind me. Right. I actually laughed out loud when that, that mm-hmm. happened in the movie. You mm-hmm. know? And I think the dynamic between the three mains, between Finn, um, Ray, and Poe, it actually worked very well in this film in certain parts, especially in the middle part of the movie when they're on like the eighth or ninth adventure. Um, I lost track of how many adventures they went on. But they're on the eighth or ninth adventure and, you know, they're I forgot what even planet they're on, but they they encounter uh, Zori, I think was the uh, yeah. the, um, the warrior from who knew who knew Carrie uh, Russell's Carrie character. Russell. Yeah. OK. Mm-hmm. Um, around that time in the film, I thought they were all clicking, you know, the, the chemistry between those three main characters um, mm-hmm. and even Carrie, Carrie uh, Russell at that point. It, it was flowing very well. And I, for a minute, I kind of got lost in that and felt like, OK this is that old feeling that you got watching these star Wars films where it's like, you're just kind of along for this ride and you liking it. Um, when they question Poe's past and he turns to, you know, and they're like, Oh, you used to run spice or whatever you used to, whatever he used to do. And he looks at, he's like, yeah. And you used to be a stormtrooper. Oh, and you used to be a scavenger. <laughs> that shit was funny. Uh-huh. You know, and it was like, he's like, we could do this all day. Like y'all, you know, you calling me, I'm gonna call y'all out. Right. That was right. funny. And it was like, okay, that was working. Um, unfortunately, the film didn't stick with that um, and took us in different directions, but that was something I like. Um, one other point, and I'm, I'm going to say this one thing I really liked, and we'll, we can kind of touch on this later too, but this movie was, you know, this movie is obviously constructed to tug at our heartstrings. It was obviously constructed to evoke nostalgia mm-hmm. um, heavy handedly, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But there was one moment I, I've heard, you know, since this movie came out, I've read, you know, read a lot about it. I've listened to, you know, I've seen people on Twitter talking about it. I've listened to podcasts, other podcasts, people talking about it. And I have to be honest that most of the things that for people, especially for people who, who really like this movie, most of the things that they say affected them or kind of, you know, um, made them feel either sentimental or emotional yeah. or for even some people it made them cry. Those moments didn't hit me 
that way because I felt by that time, I guess I was kind of disconnected from it. You know, so much stuff had happened in the film that I was just like kind of numb. But there mm-hmm. was one scene that got me that made me feel that type of not only not not necessarily nostalgia, but that feeling that I had when I was a kid, you know, watching Star Wars films. OK. And that scene was when Luke and Leia are training together, you know, the flashback. Mm-hmm. And Luke lifts up his visor and his young Luke and Leia mm-hmm. lifts up and his young Leia and they're training. Mm-hmm. I got a goofy smile on my face for a minute. You know what I'm saying? And this was kind of, I think this is late in the movie. I think this is very late in the film. Yeah, it was. Um, but it, that made me happy. And that gave me that old kind of feeling, that magic. You know what I'm saying? That's, you know, because let's be honest, man. A lot of these films that we talk about, you know, these unreal movies, they contain a sense of magic that's kind of mm-hmm. unquantifiable and it's what we like. Um, so that, that scene got me and it made me feel that sort of magic. And I was thinking, man, how dope would it have been if this whole sequel trilogy would have opened up with that scene? You know, if we would have actually got what we wanted was here's what happened after Return of the Jedi. You open up with that scene of Luke training Leia. She's his first student. Leia says, you know what? I'm better off in government. You know, I'm going to not be a Jedi. I want to do the government thing. Then we Mm -hmm. flash forward to quote unquote present day um, Mm -hmm. and we get, you know, Mark Hamill doing whatever, you know, training Jedi or trying to train Jedi. And we get um, Leia being a great senator, blah, blah, blah. And Mm -hmm. then the New Republic is threatened by this thing called the First Order. And we actually get to see the rise of the First Order. You know, how great would that have been, in my opinion, as the this trilogy? But anyway, those those were the things that um, I really liked about this film. What did you what kind of things what stuck out to you, if anything, that you that you liked about the movie? I did like the conversations between Ray and and Leia mm-hmm. um, from a filmmaker standpoint. I, I I really I really appreciated the use of the footage that they still had, the shots that they 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 the sequences they were able to film with Carrie Fisher, mm-hmm. all of um, which I think were from The Force Awakens. I don't know if any of yeah. that was from Last Jedi, because um, there were a couple shots where you could tell that you know a cutaway of Leia walking away was you know really another actress, mm-hmm. right. um, or there was some filler that was kind of put in to make the conversation uh, retain some kind of continuity when you saw Leia on the oh, screen. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I did like the idea of Leia being Ray's uh, master mm, I and, complete, that. Yeah, and completing I love her that. training. Yeah, I love that. It would have helped the way that you were talking about if that early scene with the young Luke and the young Leia, if that played earlier in the film, if not at the beginning. Mm. Because not that I couldn't, but it's like, you know, one of the things we have to accept is Leia is just this, is this cold. It's just this cold ass Jedi, mm-hmm. you know. Mm. Um, she's, I mean, we, I mean, listen, no, we're not, this isn't a critique of the last Jedi, but just for a second to talk about that film, that was a leap beyond leaps where, you know, the whole, you know, Leia floating in space thing mm-hmm. or moving through a breathing, essentially, basically breathing in space. Um, that was a, not only was that a huge leap, but it was a leap that never was questioned. In other words, nobody in the film was like, Hey, how did she do that? Or it was never explained. It was never just, mm-hmm. it was almost like, yeah, that happened. And just, mm-hmm. you know, let's keep it moving. Um, I'm sorry, but I interrupted you. Go ahead. No, 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 that's okay. Um, I like, that was kind of a singular moment where I guess I kind of felt that same kind of magic, that, con- the, you know, the continuation of the Jedi. Mm, right. Um, the mother-daughter, which you've never seen. 
in these in these films. Padme mm-hmm. didn't have a chance to exhibit that mm-hmm. in the in the in in the third movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it was nice, uh, refreshing almost to have a mother daughter Jedi right. force power. You know, force power relationship. Right, because all we've gotten up until this point is father son. Yeah. Right. Um, there were there were two things, and, and they are criticisms, but but they. They they pulled at my heartstrings and then they cut that off at the knees right away. Mm. The first was the death of the presumed death of Chewbacca. Mm. Mm-hmm. The way that he was captured, put in the ship. Uh, Ray and Kylo are battling over being able to pull down this shuttle that's escaping mm. with Chewie. Finn is freaking out, <laughs> and then and then based on her 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 anger. You know, she throws some extra action into it, breaks the ship apart, destroying Chewie. Right. As much as I love Chewbacca, that should have been his demise. Mm. Wow. Yeah, that would have been that would have been powerful. It was unex- it was unexpected, unceremonious. Mm-hmm. He's gone. Mm-hmm. And to then use that as a way to foreshadow Ray's dark side mm-hmm. tendency or mm-hmm. ability I thought was um, I just thought it was um, unfortunate okay okay but we're in the light section Arthur we are in the light <laughs> section but I like that <laughs> because it was, a, it was an emotion it was a big emotional moment for me right, right. Okay. the other the other very good emotional moment was when they were going to mind wipe 3PO to get the inform they're going to mind wipe mm. 3PO mm. uh well then we we're going to mind wipe and they were basically going to mine his memory bank yeah and then that to be was able to replay yeah. to be able to translate this message right. that would mind wipe him you know yeah. and he does that i'm just taking a last look at my friends mm. yeah. and then they got the information 3PO sacrifices himself because all throughout the tri- all throughout the movies, you know, three PO is, I mean, he's not useless, but you know, he's 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 a the, he's, a, he's the jester. Yes, yeah, you R2, know, the joke's R2 always on him. R two is the brave one, and C three PO is like, let's get the hell out of here. Yeah, is, and then this, this time, three PO's running the, you know, three PO's got this, right? And he exploits that, right? Um, but then later, R two, you know, restores his restores his memory. I'm not mad at it, mm-hmm. but. It, it 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 there there was there was an emotional weight of loss, mm-hmm. which I feel is necessary when you have a finale. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know there has to be some balance between joy and sadness. Imagine how more emotional it would have been had he said that line to Han, Luke, and Leia, presuming you know uh, right. Carrie Fisher had passed away. But so let's say Han, Luke, and Lando. You know. Mm, that mm-hmm. you know and then and yeah. the, the, the new kids could have still been there you know what I'm saying but right. just imagine how much more powerful that would have been and you realize okay these are people he's known you know not only did he know Luke uh, as a child shit um, Anakin built him you know what I'm saying it's like he's known all these people mm, it's like there's mm-hmm. there's there's legacy there where again <laughs> here I am in the like section saying something I didn't like um, but again very quickly <laughs> You know, this is why I felt that this trilogy just was not connected to the others, because these people, even Ray, who we're told is, you know, the continuation of the Skywalker legacy, 
these people aren't connected to anybody. So it's like when yeah. he says that line, it's like I felt it. But at the same time, it's like, OK, yeah, these are your friends you've known for kind of a short amount of time. You know, it's like right. these, it doesn't it didn't hit me as emotionally as it would had. Right. Or this is been, what you really wanted to say to Han, Luke and Leia. But these three, right. they're going to have to do. They have to do. Right. These substitutes, <laughs> right. It's like, you know, telling your substitute teacher, I'm going to miss you. I hope to see you next year. It's like your real mm-hmm. teacher is who you're talking, talking about. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. So, all right, I'm sorry. Is there anybody? Is there any other likes that you had? Anything that stood out from for you uh, in the in the film? What did you think about the the visual? I mean, we went into this thinking visually. Visuals were gorgeous. Be, I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, the visuals were were man. I, I did I did like the opening scene with um, uh, the Millennium Falcon mm-hmm. trying to trying to get the message from the from the um, from the plant from the traitor. Right, right. Who turned out to be General Hux. Um, I thought all the Millennium Falcon flight scenes were done really well, just like they were done well in Force Awakens. Yeah, my actually you my know? favorite moment in the entire tr- this entire sequel trilogy is in the Force Awakens. In the first, you know, thirty minutes, Ray and Finn are operating the Falcon, mm-hmm. and Ray pulls that maneuver where yeah. she kind of like she kind of cuts the engine almost, drifts down, and allows Finn to get that shot off. Mm-hmm. that's probably my favorite moment in the entire sequel trilogy. I thought that was just, it was just, it was not only was it beautiful, beautiful is beautifully shot and it was a th- incredibly thrilling moment. Yeah. Um, I, I think the biggest emotional moment was when the star destroyer rises up out of the ice. At first I thought it was water mm-hmm. that it was coming, like it was submerged and it was rising up. Mm-hmm. But I just thought that was visually very, very, very well done. And then they cut cut it right off at the knees again because another, what, 15, 20 of them, this whole <laughs> fleet comes in out of nowhere. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. What did you think about the lightsaber battles? Because it weren't, you know, that was one of the biggest complaints is that we haven't had enough lightsaber battles in these, these movies, these new, these new films. So what did you think about the lightsaber, the fights in The Rise of Skywalker? Uh, I was pretty satisfied. They had a lot more. Um, I thought they were pretty well choreographed. I think the, uh, you know, none of them was the pinnacle between uh, Anakin and Obi-Wan in uh, in the third film. But mm-hmm. but the the fight between Kylo and Rey uh, uh, on the wreckage of the Death Star, mm-hmm. um, I thought was very, I, I thought that was very well done. Because mm-hmm. um, Rey was really getting at him. I mean, including running her saber through him. Yeah, there was there was I felt there was a uh not brutality to it, but Ray swings her lightsaber like it's a bat. You know, she just swings it, you know, and it's like mm-hmm. almost like if it hits you, not only is it gonna cut you, like the actual power of it may just blow you across, you know, the room or something. Mm-hmm. And Kylo kinda does the same thing. He's a little bit more mm, I don't wanna say elegant. But maybe it just maybe it's just the way that his his lightsaber because it has the you know the uh, the protector the sheet you know the um, the guard at the bottom mm-hmm. of it for his mm-hmm. hands. But I, I you know I'm t- I, I I I like the lightsaber by, uh, battles in this film and I, I'm with you especially that one where she you know essentially killed Kylo. Um, there was there was a anger between them a tension between them you know they were it was like they were just you know let's forget all the skill i'm just going to hit you with this thing until i kill you um mm-hmm. until i find a way to kill you and I, I i i like that but i do feel that like you said when you go back and look at revenge of the sith and that fight between anakin and and uh obi-wan man it's like and how many years ago was that it's like i felt that every i feel like lightsaber fights should c- continually get better 
you know what I'm saying? Because mm-hmm. the technology is better. If you look at the original Star Wars film, if you look at A New Hope, the battle between, you know, Vader and Obi-Wan is very stilted because it was 1977 when they shot right, that shit. You know what I'm saying? It was like, yeah. they didn't have that type of technology. There wasn't that type of choreography, whatever. Um, so I feel like when you get to 2019, what we should be seeing is something that's even better than what we saw in Revenge of the Sith, you know? Um, so, I, you know, I'm with you. I was sad. I, I liked it, but I still kind of was like, hmm, this, you know, I feel like that should be a little bit. This is the last film in the trilogy. Those lightsaber fights should be a little bit better. But anyway, so let me let me just kick off the um, the moments we didn't like by saying that one of the things. Well, let me say this. We are going to probably in February, maybe we're going to do an episode. We, we've been teasing this and we want to get to an episode um, really dedicated to Finn, you know, really built around. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of thoughts that Arthur and I have discussed um, involving Th- Finn, not just as a, well, I should say both as um, a, you know, former stormtrooper um, who joins the rebellion, but also as a, a black actor in a Star Wars franchise, as a lead black actor. And there's a lot of thoughts that Arthur and I have on his character arc um, and how he has been presented to us and that that arc has been treated there's a lot of thoughts and conversation that Arthur and I have had off off the show, um, off air, and we want to get that in front of you guys and, and get your thoughts and your opinions on it as well. Um, so let me just say, though, that said, we're going to get you know deeper on that another time. But we are going to touch on some Finn stuff here. And one of the things that really bothered me about this film is that <laughs> this kind of weird um, are they or aren't they or are they or are they not? thing with it's almost like a triangle or you know really it's four people involved it was you know Finn Ray Poe and Kylo mm-hmm. because early on in the film you see well let's let's even back up you know in, in the Force Awakens we were presented the first part of that film is you know Finn really liking Ray and kind of like hitting on her and right. trying to get her interested in him right then they develop this connection and you know in Force in the Last Jedi, Finn's character gets kind of blown to the side, and it was like he was kind of a afterthought. This film, Finn is put you know back in the forefront, but early on in the in the, the Rise of Skywalker, there's this weird kind of tension between Poe and, and Rey, where they're arguing mm-hmm. almost in the same like Han Leia argument. You know, mm-hmm. like we're arguing because we like each other, right. and I'm th- I'm sitting in theater like, oh, is they're really about to go that route? You know. Because I felt that in the the Last Jedi, the Rose character was presented or invented as a way to give you know Finn a love interest because mm-hmm. he can't you know the brother can't be the dude that the main you know that the the chosen one chooses. It has to be either Kylo or Poe. Probably Kylo mm-hmm. at that point is what we were thinking, mm-hmm. which is the whole Raylo thing, how that came mm-hmm. about online. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was already a little bit irritated, but then in this film, when you see now Poe is kind of flirting with Ray, I'm like, is that, that's where they're going with this? But then midway through the film, again, we kind of see this connection between um, Finn and Ray, where Finn can, it, almost showing some force sensitivity, like he knows where she's at, you know, he can feel her, he can sense her. Right. Um, she's on that then, ship, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's this connection between them. So I'm like, okay, are they going that way? Then we get the line, which ends up being almost a throwaway line where they're sinking in that pit. And if they feel like they may die and Finn yells out, Ray, there's something I never told you, you know? Mm-hmm. And of course, everybody's thought is, oh, he's going to tell her that he loves her. How he feels, right. Right. And then later on when they survive, 
Ray is like, you know, you're going to tell me something. And you got to know the way she said it. It was that way, like almost like she wanted him to tell her, like, I know what you want to tell me. Tell me so I can reciprocate, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But then Poe walks up and or no, Finn is like, I'll tell you when we're alone or nobody else is around. And Poe is like, oh, we mean when I'm not around. So, again, it's that mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. like threesome mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. Like, is this a love triangle? What is what's going on? <laughs> and the reason I didn't like it is because I feel like the filmmakers never made up their mind. It was like they were we actually get there's a scene we actually see this in the rise of skywalker where finn firmly puts rose in the friend zone i mean like Mm -hmm. picks her up and plants Mm -hmm. her in the the friend zone Mm -hmm. to the point was like we all that stuff that happened in the last jedi bump all that you now are in the friend zone because i feel this way about ray even when finn meets the fine ass sister i forgot her name uh um, but she, you know, former stormtrooper like him, um, who who left uh, who left the the, the uh, first order, and we find out there's a lot of them out there. Um, there's no type of you know flirting between them. Not to say that you know that had to happen, but again, it kind of reinforced the idea for me that oh well he's he's really you know in love with Ray. So by the end of this film, that's going to be expressed. Maybe the last scene will be Finn and Ray. Um, on the farm and, and Tatooine, uh, looking at the, yeah, Jenna, Jenna, that's her name. So Jenna, which I, I thought she was good. Her, her and Carrie Russell, even though they had very small roles, I thought were very good. Um, but yeah, so, but there was nothing between them. So that's something I didn't like. I don't know how you felt about it, but that dynamic of kind of in and out and then the awkward kiss between Ray and Kylo to kind of almost to, almost to, um, satisfy the online fandom that's saying the whole Raylo thing. Like, let's get mm-hmm. let's get them together. You know, Raylo, Ray, and and Kylo need to be put together. When they kissed at the end of the film, it felt so unnecessary and so shoehorned in. Um, how did you feel about that? The whole dynamic between those characters. Were you too caught up in all in, in the other the the Palpatine all the stuff? Did it even did it even register with you or resonate to you? Or were you kind of like uh you know put brushing that to the side? Well, no, I wasn't brushing it to the side. I mean, I, I agree with a lot of what you said about about how these characters were putting each other in the friend zone and then coming back. And then, you know, Poe's got this other, you know, backstory relationship with Carrie Russell's character, but that mm-hmm. never surmises. But it <laughs> and it seems like it seems like Carrie Russell's character was introduced almost as I'm not saying a love interest her. for Poe. Right. Like to say. Poe is not interested in Ray and he's not interested in Finn. He's straight. And this is the girl, you know, cause he even says to her, can I kiss you? Um, right. it was just, it was just, I, I feel like it was kind of clumsily handled. It was, it was kind of weird, man, the way that all that stuff was handled. Right. And then, you know, Jenna is placed as a love interest for film for Finn or, or at least as a, a, because Jenna and Finn are fighting together mm-hmm. at the end of the film, mm-hmm. you see that they have, they're forming a bond with each other. Right. You know, at the very least, they like each other. Right. Um, but there's never a payoff with any of this. Right. Payoff there's is never, a, yeah, payoff is a, payoff is a, a, something that was handled interestingly throughout this film because I think there are times when they, supposedly paid us off but then there are times when they it's like they blatantly didn't pay it off and the payoff didn't even have to come in the form of a kiss for me the payoff could have come 
more in the form of, let's say, you know, um, instead of Lando talking to Jenna at the end saying, well, hey, you know what? Let's find out where mm-hmm. you're from. Mm-hmm. If it was Finn and Jenna trying to find out where they're from. Right. Because they were both they were both taken as children and forced into, into servitude. Essentially, They don't know what their names are. They just knew what their numbers were. Right. But, you know, that it all ties back to how Finn really didn't have a purpose in this movie. Mm-hmm. If you didn't, you know, even if you if you took Finn out. The movie would still it's like the movie wouldn't fall apart. And it's, see, this is the problem is that Finn as a character, once he's created, because let's let's go back again. The first trailer for The Force Awakens, the first thing we see is Finn. That's right. Um, which got a lot of people up in arms, which was something we'll talk about when we do the Finn show. But um, as a character, he is created. Once he's created, you really don't need a Poe character. You know what I'm saying? It's like, right. you could right. make, if, if Rey is the chosen one on the Jedi side, then why not make Finn the pilot? You know, the, the pilot who either is, you know, piloting the Millennium Falcon or mm-hmm. you know ends up being a rebel pilot you know yeah. why do we need this poe character um and i contend like i've said before i think i said it on our sister show on snobs on film um when we reviewed uh the the uh the last jedi that if if the character of finn is played by a young white actor and is not played by john Boyega or another black actor mm-hmm. i don't think poe gets created you know what i'm saying i think that they're going to i would disagree with that okay go ahead just from the setup you 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 need Poe. Mm-hmm. You need Poe in order to be on that planet in the first place to even see the Kylo Ren reveal, which leads to the squadron of stormtroopers that Finn is included with. Mm-hmm. You need right from that point. You need Kylo to destroy, have the village destroyed, and then have Poe, uh, Finn, have the crisis of conflict, which is the which is the pivot point for him to um, to defect. Right, but why not kill Poe? Po? You need Poe po captured to to fly Finn off. But if po, but if Finn is a pilot, in my in my scenario, Finn is a pilot. So but he, Finn is a stormtrooper, so he can't because well, stormtroopers don't fly. Well, some stormtroopers fly. Who are the, who are the pilots? Who who flies the Tie Fighters? You know the, the cast the that are in the the cast that the pilots, the cast that are in the black <laughs> in the black. So. <laughs> we just say but Finn I'm saying, got that capability. I, yeah, he, he yeah put, and he, I, I yeah, he's skilled. and he I'm got not skills like that. Right, and I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not challenging you tit for tat so much as what I'm saying is that Poe and Finn mm. could exist were it not for some crazy need to have a Han Solo. Yeah, there's there's a need to have a Han Solo. I, I think that Finn or Poe could also died when we thought he died um, after they escape from the Death Star, you know, and right. they crash land. He could right. have died then. And right. then it still becomes the Poe or the Finn, Ray, and Kylo show. You know, you got uh-huh. the two and maybe, you know, you throw the droids in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and you got Chewbacca. You know what I'm saying? So you got, mm-hmm. you know, even if you kill Han in The Force Awakens, going forward, you have Chewbacca, you have uh, Finn, who is, I guess, who is the new Han, or, you know, him and Rey can trade places or whatever. Yeah. And you have Rey, and then you have the droids. I just don't think, you know, you see, I, I think if, 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 if a young white actor is cast as Finn, I think that a love, that love dynamic that started in the first movie, mm-hmm. in The Force Awakens, mm-hmm. that would have got explored. But... Mm-hmm. For some reason, now we get 
Kylo and Ray, and Ray. Then we get a little hint of Poe and Ray. You know what I'm saying? It's like, why? There's no point in this when you already showed us that Finn, how did Finn end up in the friend zone? You know, and then if you give him a, a love interest in Last Jedi, why is she now in the friend zone? <laughs> and uh, the, again, it points to the lack of vision and the kind of adjunct, you know, storytelling that we're getting, you know, to your point or at the beginning of this, this show, all of this stuff is thrown at us and it's at the expense of storytelling. Um, yeah. So a couple other things really quickly that stuck out to me and I'll let you, if you have, if you have some more, we get into those, but a couple other things that stuck out to me that really kind of, um, that I ne- didn't necessarily like about the film were again, I talked about, you know, every star destroy be- star destroy being a death star. I have no idea why that <laughs> I was I forgot necessary. about that. <laughs> and I forgot about that. At this that. point of the movie, again, this is near the end of the film. And at this point, I'm so you've, you've asked me to accept so much that now I've drawn a line. Like, you know, I'm come on. It took all those years to build the first death star. Then all those years to build the second death star. Not, a, not as many years, but took some time for them to build the second death star. Then that, crap that they had in the force awakens star killer base you know then star killer or death star tech was used in the last jedi it's like enough with the death star stuff and for you to put it on every ship that palpatine had how did this fleet how did he create this fleet keep mm-hmm. it underneath ice hidden mm-hmm. fully staffed all these people are there on you know operating where did how did all this happen so again that was just something that i i, I couldn't accept um let me see. Uh, da, 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 da. The whole Hux thing, you know, him being the spy. I actually liked the idea of Hux being a spy. What I didn't like was the the execution of it. I hated, you know, the whole I'm the spy. You know, he turns around and just says that, you know, right before mm-hmm. they, they're about to get executed. I'm the mm-hmm. spy. And then the fact that he only did it to spite Kylo was weird. You know, it was like Mm-hmm. Hux was just if you go back and look at Force Awakens, Hux was more form formidable than that. And in fact, Hux felt for more formidable and more in control of himself, to your point, than Kylo did. You know, he mm-hmm. felt like more of a military type cat who's um, you know, who just had a, a certain gravity to him. Um so I, I kinda I disliked how they did his character in this in this movie. Um oh here's here's one bruh, bruh, bruh. <laughs> I know what you're going to say. Go ahead. The Knights of Ren. The Knights of Ren. The Knights of Ren. <laughs> we first get mentioned the Knights of Ren in The Force Awakens. Uh-huh. And immediately, that's a dope ass name. The Knights uh-huh. of Ren. Like, okay, uh-huh. who are these cats? You know, mm-hmm. you want to know immediately, like, who are these cats? It sounds right. like whenever they show up, some shit is going to go down. And it's going to mm-hmm. be something that, you know, going to be really cool. Then, before the film came out, we start seeing some. Um, um, story art, some some uh, some some character art, you know, starts leaking. I saw some on Twitter, um, on the official, I guess, art book or care one of the books that's you know you know probably twenty books released, official books released with each film at this point. But one of the art books released for this film, the Knights of Ren are on the cover. Um, so knowing that they're going to be in this film and he early on you kind of see them because it's like okay they're helping kylo you know look for these look for the 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 mole or whoever um the scavengers so by the end of this film you realize that you don't know you don't know anything more about the nice ran than you did before the movie Mm -hmm. they show up in a few scenes they're basically just walking around they find nobody they find nobody the only fight they really get into is with kylo at the end of the film 
we never learn we never really see them use their weapons because kylo takes them down so quickly we don't learn any of that we know nothing and it's like why were they you know what the hell man what the hell so that was that was a big one for me um let me see uh oh and that leads me to the whole you know the whole problem one of the problems i'm having is that listen star wars from the get-go and probably and I think they kicked this thing off. They were the first ones to really do this. So they've always been about the merchandising, right? It's like the right. action figures, every all the merchandising that made George Lucas rich when, you know, even after these films, after the original trilogy was done, um, brought him so much money. The merchandising. And we loved it because we all collected that stuff when we were young, right? So I'm not mad at the merchandising. I think that's part of the Star Wars thing. But right. I think at this point, it's gotten to a point where using the Knights of Ren as an example using the droids that were introduced um, in these films, using Babu Frick, you know, the, the little, uh, I don't know what type of nationality he was supposed to mirror, but, you know, the little dude uh, um, who fixes, who, you know, who, who takes the information from. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh, um, uh-huh. All these characters, I, actually, I'll say Babu Frick actually kind of played a, played a, he had a purpose, but there's so many kind of characters introduced in these films now that I'm starting to, it makes it harder to ignore the fact that, you know, the fact that these characters are being introduced to create the toys and create the merchandising. There's no reason for the Knights of Ren to be in this movie. There's no reason for that little droid, BB-8's friend, um, the one that actually spoke basic. Um, yeah, Dio. D- there's no reason for him to be in this movie. You know, there's, to be honest, we don't even need BB-8. We could have just had R2, but I get it. You know, they wanted a new droid for this new trilogy. But that's something that bothered me that became because it's harder to ignore these things. It's like, yeah, I know if I guess if I'm 10 years old, I'm not looking at it that way. Um, But as an adult, it's like, man, you guys are really just creating characters just to to create merchandising. Um, Last one um, before before we move on. Um, I think one of one of the biggest problems I had with this film is that I feel like Disney and Lucasfilm right now, and in particular, the filmmakers and the writers, J.J. Ryan, Chris Terrio. Chris Terrio, by the way, who co-wrote this film, also co-wrote Batman v. Superman and Justice League. So mm. take that, you know, that's all another conversation. But that's something I mm-hmm. think that, you know, you see some similarities in the storytelling um, between, um, and, and, you know, the expositional storytelling in this film. And then when you look at Batman v Superman with, you know, Batman, Bruce Wayne's dream sequence, you know, these things, there's some, there's some similarities there. Um, but I feel that overall, Arthur, I feel that these, you know, the people who are in care, who are taking care of Star Wars right now, they're almost treating the force. And this kind of touches on something you said earlier. They're treating the force like it's a superpower. Thank you. They're treating the force like this is the Marvel universe. And Um, a long time ago, Anakin got bitten by some force spider and now he had the force and then he passed on. The force is not a superpower. The force is, you know, we all know what the force is. I'm not going to go into it. We know what the force is. It's not some sort of ability that, you know, there's no rules to. And I feel that JJ in particular, but even Ryan and, and, uh, the writers, they're treating it like it's a superpower. And Mm -hmm. that's what I saw in you know ray you know and kylo fighting over you know the um transport it didn't seem it was just like kind of laughable to me um the end battle sequence when you know this dude is you know palpatine is (laughs) shooting lightning bolts up into the universe into up into the galaxy destroying you know whole fleets of ships and Mm -hmm. then 
Ray is blocking him with her two lightsabers, and it's like there are rules in Star Wars, man. You know, there are there are things. I mean, really, if you if you want to be real about it, there's a lot of Star Wars storytelling has been telling us these rules. You know, telling us how to use the Force and what the Force is. Mm-hmm. And I'm not against this Force expanding. We just saw when Baby Yoda was revealed that Baby Yoda can heal, um, yeah. which we saw Ray doing this film as well. Right. I wasn't against that. That's something we never saw before, but I'm not right. against that. And I've got some, I've got some thoughts on that. Right. But when you get to the point where, you know, now you're transporting lightsabers through the force, you know, and mm-hmm. you're, you know, disabling entire fleets, you know, of starships with the force. It's almost like you're making these people into gods, into mm-hmm. superhuman, you know, superheroes. Mm-hmm. And that's not, I don't think that's a good, I don't, I don't think that leads to good storytelling. I think that leads to a, Hey, we don't have to think of anything clever or interesting right here. We'll just use the force and just say that they can do that because they're powerful. They are right. all the Sith or they are all the Jedi. And that harkens back to my Harry Potter analogy because at this point it's magic. It's magic. Exactly. Listen, a lot of people in the galaxy who heard stories of Jedi, rumors of Jedi, who don't know a Jedi, and some people who even fought the Jedi thought mm-hmm. oh they're sorcerers we just saw that in mandalorian called them sorcerers because they couldn't explain yeah. what they're seeing but we right. know those you know because we've seen the inside of this we've had the point of view of seeing the jedi knowing all their secrets we know it's not magic it's not magic and i felt that that's what jj and ryan and disney and lucasfilm right now they're treating the force like it's magic and it's like it ain't so stop that <laughs> but i think they and i yeah and i think they had to to close this to close this off based on the premise that Palpatine had a plan B. Mm-hmm. And you know, it didn't have to be such a strange, strange movie. Mm. Um, it didn't need to, I feel that it didn't need to, and I mean, hey, where's my movie? I don't have one, right? Mm-hmm. Not that it's easy to make these films, not that it's easy right, right. to try to fit these puzzle pieces together, Right. Um, none of that. Um, you know, but it's 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 unfortunate. I'm gonna use that word again. Mm. It's unfortunate to have certain breadcrumbs laid, or have and have certain foundations placed that are turn out to be bridges to nowhere. Mm. Right. Um, one thing that stood out to me immediately after I finished seeing the film was that, well, wait a minute. If Palpatine wanted his granddaughter all along so that he could somehow transform, basically pass his life force to her, Mm -hmm. then how come he wanted her dead in the previous two films? (laughs) Oh man. How come he, listen, how come, I mean, just simple stuff like that. How come he spent so much time explaining to her at the end of the film I want you to strike me down and kill me, which if you go back to Return of the Jedi, he was trying to get Luke to he's provoking Luke, right? Because right. want, he wanted Luke to strike him, but he knew yeah. Vader was going to block the strike because Luke gives in, tries to kill him and Vader blocks it and Palpatine laughs. He's like, you're going to give in to the dark side and I'm going to turn you like I turned your father. Mm-hmm. In this film, he's basically telling Ray, I want you to kill me. But it's not like he's going to block it. He's, he literally wants her to kill him so she can yeah. take over, yeah. which is kind of like against who Palpatine is. That don't make no sense. 
Don't but no even sense. if he wanted that, why she was ready to kill him. So why not just stand there and let her, let her kill you? Why are you telling her your whole plan? Basically, like she's walking towards you. You know she's gonna she can kill if she wants if if you let her she will kill you. So why are you explaining all that again? <laughs> right. I understand. Listen, as a twelve year old or a ten year old, would I be thinking that way? Probably not. Maybe not. I may be like mm-hmm. I may be accepting that. Mm-hmm. So I do understand that there's a level of acceptance that you can't go into these things analyzing every little piece of it. But there's a responsibility not to ask me to accept too much because as a ten year old or a twelve year old. I know when it got to that part about the Death Stars, I would have been like, what the hell? Even at 10 years old, I'm mm-hmm. like, are you telling me that everyone got Death Star? That don't make mm-hmm. no sense. You know, so I, I feel that there is that that responsibility. Um, so, yeah, I think for Palpatine, though, to, to your point, a lot of things he did weren't consistent with who he is. Um, and that just again, that kind of makes me feel. And I, this is not a you know, again, this is not a backhanded compliment, but I felt kind of good about that in the sense that, OK, I didn't even feel like that was Palpatine. I just felt like this, this, this ain't dude, you know, Palpatine mm-hmm. died in on the Death Star when it blew up. Um, and that's kind of how I feel. So even though this is canon, I guess my head canon is not, hasn't accepted it yet. So let me ask you this. Okay. We've done nine films. This mm-hmm. is the end of the, end of the Skywalker saga. Mm-hmm. Right. But we do know that this is the not, this is not the last Star Wars film. Right. Where do we go from here? I'm going to say, Okay, so there is the next the, right now. Disney has has said has said that twenty twenty two. I think it's in December twenty twenty two is the next Star Wars movie. Now we know film studios change dates all the time. Mm-hmm. Based on the reactions to this film, and based on that first opening weekend being one hundred seventy five million, although that's an enormous amount of money and that's great for any movie. Yeah. Um, it still falls short of what you know the expectations were for this film, and it kind of shows a downward trend from The Force Awakens to where we're at now. Mm-hmm. Based on that, and kind of just the general feel, um, the zeitgeist of the moment, I do think that they're going to wait. I, w- I would imagine that the next Star Wars film will probably be at least 2023, if not 2024. Mm-hmm. And I think mm-hmm. what's going to happen is. They announced earlier this summer that Kevin Feige is going to produce a, a, a Star Wars film in conjunction. He said in conjunction with Kathleen Kennedy. Um, I don't know if Kathleen Kennedy is going to, you know, after her next her, after her contract expires, is she going to stay with Lucasfilm? Um, are they going to move her to mm-hmm. a new role? Who knows? Um, but I do think that the next Star Wars film we'll see will be that Kevin Feige film. And I think mm-hmm. that it's going to have to be because, dude. Ray walks up at the end of this film. Ray buries the um, the lightsabers of, I believe, it's Anakin's lightsaber, and is it Leia's, Leia's lightsaber? Yeah. What happened to Luke's lightsaber? Luke's lightsaber. Luke's. I always thought that Luke's lightsaber was Vader's lightsaber because it was the lightsaber that Obi Wan gave it to him. Okay, so it was Anakin. Okay, so originally it was Anakin's. Okay, mm-hmm. so Anakin's lightsaber and Leia's lightsaber are buried at the at the the Lars crib on a uh, Tatooine. And then right. we see Ray has she's created her own lightsabers, that gold one, which was dope, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's still Jedi. She hasn't like it's not like she's it's not like they've said the Jedi thing is over. The right. Jedi order is over. Right. And we're assuming that she's going to train someone else. And we'll, when we do the Finn show, I get into the fact that it should have been two Jedi. Um, but mm-hmm. anyway, so is the next is she going to continue? Is the next film going to be a Ray film? That's a, that's that's a question. Um, 
at this point, I don't think so because I think Daisy Ridley is probably hell now. Like I, you know, I've been, I've you know, this this mm-hmm. franchise brought me to fame. I've made a lot of money, so I'm you know I'm not um, ungrateful. But dealing with this Star Wars fandom and this amount of scrutiny, I doubt, and all the the unfair things that have been said about her, I, and yeah. I think she even left Twitter because of uh, those things after the Force mm-hmm. Awakens or after the Last Jedi. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see her returning. I don't see any of them returning. John Boyega has said, you know, he's not coming. They they asked him if he would do a Disney Plus show. Um, not not Disney. I'm talking about a reporter asked him if he would ever consider that. That became an option. Mm-hmm. He said no. Mm-hmm. Oscar mm-hmm. Isaac has said no. I'm done. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think we're going to see any of these characters again. The the you know the new characters that we are introduced to in this trilogy. I imagine that Disney is going if they're if they're in my opinion if they're smart they'll wait probably till 2023 or 2024 before doing another film and it will be a kickoff of something completely different, something completely new. And they may lean on Kevin Feige, um, whether or not he's the president of Lucasfilm or not. They may lean on him to say, okay, yeah, you're going to produce this one film, but we want you to help build, you know, the next, you know, trilogy um, of films. We want you to lay out the vision, um, you and your team, you and your writers, whether it's the Russos, whoever, um, uh, or it's the cats who wrote, you know, in game, whoever it is, um, or if it's Ava DuVernay, DuVernay or Ryan, or, um, um, yeah, Ryan Johnson, my mind. So I can't think of the other Ryan, uh, Black Panther, Ryan, um, the brother. Oh, Coogler, Coogler. Yeah. Ryan Coogler, I have mm-hmm. Ryan Johnson, my mind, but Ryan Coogler, um, whoever it is, I think they're going to lean on them mm-hmm. and say, you know, we, we want to, we're not going to make that same mistake before we start, before we shoot the first frame we want our vision laid out of what these three movies are going to be. Um, but I, I really hope Arthur that they give it some time man, and just let it breathe. I don't want to see another star Wars film in 2022, even if it is Kevin Feige's film, I think they got to let this breathe. Look at what's happened over the last five years. We had these three trilogy films. We also had rogue one, which to me is the best film of all the new ones. Um, right. but then we also had solo, you know, which I didn't dislike as much as everybody else seemed to dislike it. But the box office was, very very disappointing for Disney and Lucasfilm um, so I think they have to let this breathe for a while man just just chill just chill what do you, what do you think is going to happen um, where do, where well, do we I, go from here I mean I agree with you I don't I don't think there needs to be another another large screen uh, Star Wars film um, you know just in my own household my of my children own, my three children only one is really invested at all Mm. in 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 star wars and i mean not that heavily Mm -hmm. that's you know that's the point really quickly let me ask you this i went to go see this with family members and i i asked everybody i was like i want to see you know the rise of skywalker with family Mm -hmm. members and i asked everyone i said before we went into the theater i was like you know do you remember blah 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 you know i was bringing up different story points that happened in the force awakens and the last jedi yeah and the the reaction i got was confusion like no one could really remember exactly what happened in any of either of those two films and they had seen them Mm -hmm. excuse me um but what that told me was that and and that's and then i'm kind of getting that reaction from a lot of people you know these movies are still making a lot of money they're very popular but I'm wondering really how much right. they're resonating, you know, how, how much, how are they building up a new fan base? You know what I'm saying? Are they impacting this See, generation? I don't think so. And that's what, although I'm th- it's not consistent because is even, even still, I mean, 
my son is the only one that's invested at all in seeing the films Mm -hmm. but he was like do not watch mandalorian episode eight without me Mm. you know what i mean it was like it's like that right yeah yeah he's more serious about mando than than right the films yeah yeah he just asked me for the for the original uh cartoon network uh clone wars Mm -hmm. uh animated shorts Mm -hmm. he's Mm -hmm. he's he's more interested in the small screen Mm -hmm. than he is in in the large screen well i think that that plays into to me what's happening is and there are i don't want to deny i'm sure that there are a lot of people out there who the force awakens last jedi and Mm -hmm. rise of skywalker that's their shit you know what i'm saying that's it means the world to them you know, there, I'm right. sure there are people out there. Um, in particular, I know when I see online a lot, people saying every Halloween, there's somehow how many young girls get dressed up as Ray. You know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. if you've never seen someone who looks like you be the hero of a multi-billion dollar franchise, right. that's impactful. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So I don't want to lessen that at all. That's important. But I think overall, if I had to guess, and I don't know, maybe there's something we'll revisit on a future show once more more data comes in, I feel like these films are, they make a lot of money, they're highly entertaining, everybody wants to go see them, but I feel like they're very forgettable. You know what I'm saying? I feel like mm-hmm, they're not, mm-hmm. based on people I talk to, it's like everybody's, oh, the new Star Wars movie is coming out, let me go check it out. But a month later, they're not really thinking about it or like doing like your son is doing and going to check out other canon stuff or you know content that's available to them or collecting that you know what i'm saying it's not creating that sort that sort of fervor um on a mass scale like it did you know uh 30 or 40 years ago yeah um and i think for disney and lucasfilm that's a problem you know that's something that they want for me it's, it's it comes down to world building i realized one other thing i realized that about after i walked out of the rise of skywalker and this is kind of what helped me let go is that I realize as a Star Wars fan, what excites me is world building. You know, mm-hmm. you know personally that outside of Empire Strikes Back, my favorite Star Wars thing, you know, bar none, is the Clone Wars, the animated series Clone Wars. Right. And the one of the one of the big reasons that is is because that that was what six six seasons of world building. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? It was like not every episode, but I'm saying for the most part. Filoni and his crew spent, you know, six seasons, whatever, just expanding the Star Wars lore. And it was just more and more world building. Um, and for, in my opinion, I don't think that these, the sequel trilogy has done that. I don't think they've expanded it. I don't think they've done enough world building. It's just like these kind of personal, almost, I don't want to say soap opera, but very dismiss dis, very easily dismissed stories you know mm-hmm. you could just wipe this whole thing out and i'd be like okay what, what let me ask you this arthur what if if this sequel trilogy didn't exist can you imagine if the first thing we saw in a live action capacity the first thing we saw post return of the jedi was the mandalorian that you know what i'm saying can yeah. you imagine that you know what i'm saying how everybody's into Mandalorian anyway but just imagine that that the first live action we think we see is this Mandalorian series. Um, That'd be fantastic. Yeah, five years after Return of the Jedi, five years after the fall of the Empire, you know, mm-hmm. the New Republic has been, is, is still new, it's still fresh, and here's what's going on in the galaxy um, from the perspective and the struggles of this, you know, this uh, bounty hunter and his, this uh, uh, baby Yoda. Child. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I think the world building part is something that 
something that bothers me. Um, so, uh, okay. So yeah, that's, that's where I think this, that's where I think is going to happen with this, with this film series. Um, and I think, I think we're, you and I are kind of on the same page. Yeah. I'm, I'm ready to uh, get into the Mandalorian <laughs> really quickly before we leave, um, rise of Skywalker. One thing that happened that, um, kind of, uh, shook me, man, being a clone wars head when Ray is laying on the ground, and she's hearing all those voices of all the past Jedi. Yeah. We're presuming the dead Jedi. Yes. Man, you heard Ahsoka Tano's voice. And I was like, of course, you know, this is, I don't know how many decades after the last time we saw Ahsoka. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm in the middle of, uh, for you guys who listened to the show before, you know, I'm, I've just started Rebels. Um, finally started Rebels because, you know, Disney Plus came out. So now I got all the Rebels episodes. So I'm deep in Rebels. I'm in season two right now. Um, so Ahsoka just showed up. Bruh. Ahsoka just showed up and took out <laughs> yeah. and took on the two, uh, um, what do you call them? The interrogators, the, uh, uh the inquisitors, um, the inquisitors, the inquisitors. She just, Ahsoka just showed up and just whooped ass. And I was like, that's, you know, you know, I'm in love with Ahsoka. That's my girl. So to hear her voice as one of the dead Jedi, I was both happy and sad. Cause I was happy. Cause it's like, they remembered Ahsoka, you know, they mm-hmm. put her in there, even though she really, at the last time I saw her, I don't think she was, you know, officially Jedi, but she was trained as a Jedi. But then it also hit me. Oh shit. That means she's dead. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> like decades later, of course she's dead by that, but I'm just like, I don't know how long her race lives. So I'm like, maybe she lived longer, you know, maybe her race lives centuries or something like that. So kind of disappointed to know that Ahsoka was dead but alright let's um, let's you know let's do one listener um, thought on the rise of Skywalker before we move on to uh, Mando because um, we did ask you guys to uh, to hit us up with um, some of your thoughts on the film and um, let me see uh, we got let me see my man oh by the way Arthur you know you got some love last episode you talked about Yo Gaba Gaba yeah um and my man dean mayers um co-signed you so shout out to dean it's um, powerful show on, man hit us up on twitter and made sure that you weren't out there alone with your yo gaba gaba love um so let's see uh okay so uh my man victory Cheeseballs at victory let me give you his full act victory cb Victory CB said, um, asked us, you know, what do you think the future holds for Finn and future stories and films? Could his story after Rise of Skywalker be a standalone film? Um, again, we're going to do a, a special Finn episode uh, early in the new year. But for me, what I'll say is uh, since John Boyega, I don't think is going to return. He, well, he said no Disney Plus. Um, he didn't say anything mm-hmm. about films and you throw mm-hmm. film money at somebody that's a whole that's, you know, if I'm offering you 10 or 15 mil, um, that's another story. So I could see, could I see, you know, Finn coming back in a future story or film? I actually, Arthur, I actually, I could see it. Even though I just said a minute ago, I don't see any of these people returning. Yeah. If enough time passes, um, there is some, there's, there's some, there's some very deep storytelling I could see that could be done around the Finn character if we kind of salvage some of what happened in this trilogy, um, mm-hmm. I know I'm kind of contradicting some of what I said earlier, but to answer victory CB, I do feel that, you know, we, there's a, I'll say there's a possibility. Do I think it's going to happen? Probably not, but there is, there's a possibility. What do you think? I think there's a possibility that we could see him returned. Um, what would be interesting is if he and 
uh, Jenna actually tried to find out where where they came from. Mm-hmm. Uh, it would also be even uh, further interesting to find out that that one of them uh, is a descendant of Saw Gerrera. Mm-hmm. 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 And now, mm-hmm. mind you, I'm lumping all the black characters, <laughs> right? Here, but <laughs> all the brothers, all all the black people got to know each other in the galaxy, all right? Them. Basically, you're a Guerrero or you're a Calrissian, <laughs> right? Can't be nothing else. That's all we got. So <laughs> we can we can build on that. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Oh, interesting. Okay, so um, my man uh, of my light and flight, Starlight and Flight, on Twitter, he had. A, he, I think he agrees with a lot of the points we made, but he also said um, he feels like they shoehorn aspects from the old movies into the new ones, meaning the new sequel trilogy, um, which is like bringing your big brother to a fight. Uh, in hindsight, this was always doomed, and that's something I said. I think at the beginning of the show. So mm-hmm. we we agree with you. Starlight and Flight that this um this whole this sequel trilogy I think was kind of set up in a way that although at that point it may have looked like the the proper way to go and the you know hindsight is 2020 it kind of doomed it from the beginning um he also said Starlight and Flight also said I can't help but wonder if the writers force evaporated uh let me see Kylo and then had Ray Finn and Poe hug at the end as a cheap way to resolve a possibly non-monogamous romantic triangle to avoid upsetting anybody who prefers Finn to be with his own kind. And he's talking about Jenna. Mm -hmm. Um, And we touched on that. I think that in my opinion, I do feel like there was some reluctance all the way from the force awakens um, to see what we were presented. You know, it was like we were going down that road of seeing um, Finn and Ray either which which Arthur that wouldn't that have been interesting because the Jedi the Jedi order the strict Jedi order is no attachments um mm-hmm. I don't know how long I don't know if that's still in play because the Jedi order had had fallen but um and maybe we'll get some of that in the upcoming uh Obi-Wan series we'll see some of that explored because we know Obi-Wan did have relations with uh Satine but yeah. we'll see maybe what happens a few of post- them do color outside the lines right <laughs> we'll see what happens post um Revenge of the Sith in his life that'll point to that. But yeah, it would have been interesting to see that's another aspect that would have been interesting to see if, you know, Rey goes full Jedi or even if Rey and Finn go full Jedi, but they still want to be with each other um, and how that conflicts with what is, you know, the uh, an essential part of the Jedi world. Mm-hmm. Alright, man, I don't have anything else to say about Rise of Skywalker. Um, again, if you guys hated it, loved it, neutral, indifferent, whatever, Hit us up on Twitter, hashtag Mad Unreal, and um, let us know your thoughts. Um, and maybe we'll, you know, I'm sure this, this, you know, although I'm kind of glad for it to be over, like I said last show, I'm kind of glad that we're moving on from this um, into something new, which is not to pat myself on the back. But remember, Arthur, I did say that the future of Star Wars is probably on television. And it looks like that's kind of coming true a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm kind of glad to move on to this. But at the same time, I know that the thoughts and comments and, you know, feelings about the rise of Skywalker will probably last into 2020. So um, if you guys want to hit us up, please do. And we'll, um, we'll address those on a future show. Thank you for listening to part one of Mad Unreal's special Star Wars episode. Please revisit your podcast provider and press play on part two of this episode, which focuses on season one of The Mandalorian. And as always, keep it unreal.